in the middle of January. My guess is by now that some of you who made New Year's resolutions or you turned over a new leaf and you're going to do better this year are beginning to waver just a little bit. Now, the reason I say that is because I have noticed that attendance at the Y has fallen off a little. You know, you can't get in there the first couple of weeks in January, but after that it becomes a little more comfortable as people fade away. So what I want to do today is to try to encourage you in the commitments that you have made and in what you want to do. I think we're probably all a little bit like the boys, little boy. He went upstairs to his room. He found his baseball hat. He put it on his head. He got his baseball bat and a baseball. He went out in the backyard. He looked around and yelled, I am the greatest batter in the world. He threw the ball up, swung at it, yelled, strike one. He threw it up again, strike two. He threw it up again, strike three. He threw the bat down and he said, I am the greatest pitcher in all the world. Well, we're sort of like that, I think. We, we have some hits and we have some misses in life. You've had some hits last year, some of you have. Some of you got married maybe last year. Perhaps you got a promotion at work last year or you lost weight last year. Let me just say this to you, if you did, the rest of us are really aggravated with you. But some of you had some hits last year and some of us had some misses. We had some outs. I would imagine that some of you got a divorce last year, perhaps. Didn't intend to. That wasn't your plan, and yet it happened. I heard about a, out in a rural area that there was a, a woman went to see her pastor, and she told the pastor, said, I, I'm, I'm going to divorce my husband. And she began to tell him, said, you know, he, he, he drinks, he stays out late, he doesn't come home, he's not reliable, he sits in the chair when he's there watching TV until he falls asleep. And she has this litany that she shares with the pastor, and he said, but, you know, I'm, I'm married Y'all, and when you got married, you said, I asked you if you would take him for better or worse, and you said that you would. And she said, yeah, but I didn't know how worse he was going to get. Well, maybe that happened to you, or maybe you lost your job. You didn't get a promotion, you lost your job. I remember working at a television station in Texas, and over a period of three months, there were three other television stations that contacted me wanting to hire me, I got an offer from one. I, I went back to my boss and I told him. And he said, don't, don't take the job. He said, let me see what I can do. And he, he came back in and he said, Wendell, he said, we're going to give you a raise because we want you to stay here. And so I stayed. The next month I got another offer to go to another station. And I went back into my boss and I told him. And he said, let me see what I can do. And I he went back and he came back and told me. He said, he said, I got you another raise. He said, but we want, because we want you to stay. The third month, I got another offer, and so I went back to my boss, and he looked at me, and he said, Wendell, he said, I don't know how we're going to get along without you, but we're going to find out. So maybe that happened to you, or maybe you, maybe you actually gained weight last year. The thing is, it, 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 we all have hits and misses in life. Things go for us and they go against us. All of these things that happen, but the thing that is important is that you keep swinging. The thing that is important is that you don't quit, that you don't give up. The Apostle Paul said, I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of. 
We all have hits and misses. The thing that is important is that you don't quit, that you keep swinging. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 34. We'll begin looking at verse number 1. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Old Testament. So look there with me in verse number 1 as it records the death of Moses. Now Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan and all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea and the Negev and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no man knows his burial place to this day. Although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim, nor his vigor abated. There are some goals we make that remain unmet. And that was true with Moses. Moses' goal was to lead the people of Israel into the land of promise. That was God's call on his life, to lead them to freedom. When Moses met with the Lord at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, the scripture says, Therefore come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. So the Lord then had this call on his life. He said, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of bondage to freedom. And as they began the journey in the wilderness, the Lord provided for their needs. They came to that place where the Red Sea was in front of them. Pharaoh had changed his mind. The Egyptian army was coming after them. And the Bible tells us that God parted the Red Sea for them to cross. The scripture says in Exodus 14, 22, and the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on dry land. And the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord is providing for them. What I want you to see is that Moses led them out of bondage. God parted the Red Sea that they could go across. He provided food for them. The Bible says the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. So when they had nothing to eat, God provided food for them. He provided water for them to drink. Scripture says you shall strike the rock and the water will come out of it that the people may drink. So what I want you to see with me is that God had called Moses to a task. He provided for Moses along the way. He provided protection, food, water, he provided, but Moses did not go into the promised land. You'll see there in verse number 4, the Lord says, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. In other words, he 
had a goal that was not reached, and so do we, I suppose. Probably some of you have had goals in your life and perhaps do today, and those goals have not been reached. I'm beginning to think I'm probably not going to be a professional golfer. That goal probably is not going to be reached for me. When I was a pastor in Oklahoma City, there was a man who belonged to the church, Ralph Plotner. He was an oil man, and he belonged to the Oak Tree Country Club and wanted me to go and play golf with him, and so I went out and played golf with him. Then we, we went to the uh, clubhouse, and we're in there after we finished the game. And he said, East Step, you want me to tell you what's wrong with your game? Well, Raph was a good golfer, and I thought maybe he could help me. And I said, yeah, Raph, what is it? He said, man, you ain't got no ability. So I'm probably not going to reach that goal. I am probably not going to be a professional golfer. USC had a goal. They were not national champions this year. Uh, Clemson was, and so congratulate that. But that goal was not met for USC. As Christians, we probably have not met some of our goals, right? In your commitment to the Lord and your journey of faith, there are some goals that you have not met. My guess is for some of you, there are some relationships in your life that your goal was to repair those relationships, but they didn't get prepared last year. It didn't happen. That goal was not met. The truth is sometimes there are broken relationships that you can't repair. The story of the prodigal son tells about the boy who rebels against the father and he goes on a journey into the far country and so forth. The thing that I notice about that in part is that the father allowed him to go because that's what the boy chose to do. The father did not go after the boy. He waited for him to come back. Sometimes we can't repair relationships, but that's the goal. I would imagine that there are some moms and dads here this morning and there's some estrangement in your families with someone and you wanted to repair those relationships, but that goal was not met. Some of you wanted to be better at expressing your love to someone that you genuinely love, but I don't know, you didn't get there. It's like the wife who asked her husband, so why don't you tell me you love me anymore? And he said, I told you when I married you, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. We intended to be more encouraging but it didn't work out. And yet we know that many of the problems we have as adults is the result of not receiving encouragement and acceptance when we were young. Probably as you look at your spiritual life, if you're honest, you would say that I'm, I'm not where I want to be spiritually. I can say the verses, I can sing the songs, but I'm not where I would like to be. I remember one Saturday night, Richard Jackson, who was pastor of North Phoenix Baptist Church in Phoenix, Arizona, called me. And he was talking to me, and and I'll, I'll never forget the conversation because Richard had done such a wonderful job in building that church. And he said, Wendell, he said, I just don't think I'm ever going to be like Jesus. Do you feel that way? Sometimes I do. I'm just not going to get there. In fact, I, I was going through a time 
in my Christian journey once, and I was a little frustrated that I wasn't making the progress I wanted to. And I was talking to Marion Warren, who was a music evangelist, and I said, Marion, I, I, you know, I'm just so far away from Jesus. I'm not, I'm not like the Lord. I want to be, but I'm not. And he said, Wendell, you have to put that in perspective. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, let me ask you a question. Are you closer to the Lord this year than you were last year? He said, because if you are, you're going in the right direction. You see, it's a journey that we are on. And the thing that is important is that we're making progress, that you're becoming more like the Lord. Now, you're not going to be like him here. We're going to be like him when we see him. But the thing that is important is that we are making progress. But my guess is that some of you have some goals that have not been met and you have some dreams that remain unfulfilled. You know that's okay? You have dreams that are unfulfilled, that's okay. Because life is a journey rather than a destination. It's the journey that's important. There were two little boys who had learned in geography that, that China was on the other side of the earth from them. And so they decided they were going to dig a hole to China. And so they got out in the backyard and they start digging. They dig all day long. And then it begins to get dark and one of the little boys says to the other, he said, I don't think that we're going to get to China. And the other one said, well, so what if we don't? Look at all the neat stuff we found on the way. You know, that's the way life is. We may not get to China, but there's a lot of neat stuff we find on the way. So let me encourage you to dream again this year. No matter what your age is, to dream again. When I was young married, my wife used to say, well, she'd see a house and, you know, she'd say, boy, I'd like to have that house. I said, we don't have the money for that house. She said, I'm just dreaming. It was frustrating to me and it is frustrating to most husbands because what we hear is that I have to buy that house. But dream. Dreams are important. Benson Franklin said, when you let your dreams die... Something dies within you. You know why dreams are so important? Because they determine direction in your life. Jacob had a dream and that guided his life. The Bible says in Genesis 28, And he had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to the heaven. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your descendants. The thing that's important is that dream gave direction and guidance to his life. It was the dream that he had that gave him direction in his life. The Bible says then Joseph had a dream. He dreamed of being a ruler. And that gave direction to his life, that guided his life. The scripture says in 1 Kings, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and asked him, what do you want? That dream guided his life, that gave him direction for his life. Folks, dreams are important. Your dreams are important because they provide direction for you. They give guidance to you. They motivate you. Even though they motivate us, they're always challenged. Joseph had a dream of being a ruler, but his brothers resented that. They resented his dream. So they sold him into slavery. Potiphar had him in prison, but Joseph never lost sight of his dream. He had a dream. 
He never lost sight of it. Jacob had a dream. He was going to marry Rachel. He fell in love with Rachel. So he made a deal with her father that he would work for her for seven years. And he worked for her for seven years. The wedding came. The ceremony was performed. The next morning when he awakened and looked at his new bride, as Gomer Pyle would say, surprise, surprise, surprise. It wasn't Rachel. It was Leah. Dad had given Leah to him when he had worked for Rachel, so he worked another seven years for Rachel because he had the dream and he was motivated by that dream. Dreams are important, but they are discouraged. Someone said, every time I make my mark, someone paints the wall. So I know that you have dreams, and I know that they are discouraged, and sometimes it's friends who discourage them. When I first went in the ministry, I was pastoring a little church, ran 40. As I think back about it, it was surrounded by dead ends. I mean, every street stopped there. There was not a through street. I was looking at your location. What an incredible location you have. Well, the first church that I pastored, if you came up on this street, you could go through. This street was dead end. This street was dead end. This street was dead end. It was surrounded by dead ends. John Bassanio came over one night with another pastor, and we were going to go to dinner. And so he picked me up, my wife and me up, and we were going. There. And the other pastor asked me, he said, uh, he said, what potential does your church have? Well, I was fixing to tell him, well, within probably two years, we'll be running 1,000 in attendance. And John said, doesn't have any, doesn't have any potential. Well, that was devastating to me. But sometimes our our dreams are punctured by our friends. Maybe well-meaning, but our dreams are punctured by that. Sometimes our dreams are limited by our own limitations. Caleb wanted that mountain, but he was in his 80s. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he was too short. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, but he never lost his dream. Don't you think that probably fear punctures more of our dreams than anything else? Really? Fear of ridicule, that if someone, there are some of you who have some great dreams. You really have some great dreams in your heart, but you're scared to tell anyone because they might laugh at you or they might think they're silly. And so we let our dream die. Sometimes it's ridicule, fear of ridicule. Sometimes it's fear of failure, that if I pursue this, I might not make it and I will fail. Let me encourage you to pursue your dreams. I don't know what God has placed in your heart, but let me encourage you to pursue them. There is a fable about a beautiful nightingale who was offered one worm a day for feather. And so he he made the deal. And so the worm was offered, and he'd give a feather. I mean, after all, he had lots of feathers. And so every day he would get a worm, he'd give a feather. But there came a time when he had given away so many feathers, he could no longer fly. Folks, dreams are the feathers on which you fly. Your dreams are important because they enable you to fly. Pursue your dreams. If they're from God, take them seriously. Never give up on them. Steve mentioned that I pastored First Baptist in Columbia. 
we had a dream of building the sanctuary and the buildings that we built there. There were a lot of obstacles to that. There were those times when it, it became very, very difficult. But we never lost that dream because we believed that it was from God. Test your dreams. Are they from God? The dream that is in your heart, is it from God? You might say, well, well how do you know that? Well, if your dream is fulfilled, will it contribute? Will it enhance? Will it expand the kingdom of God? If your dream is fulfilled, will the community be benefited or is it just your own selfish desire? Test your dreams. Is it from God? If it is, trust it. If the dream that is in your heart is from God, trust it. I remember when we... uh, when we built a sanctuary in, at First Baptist, there was only one bank that would uh, that would loan us the money, and I, I still remember the meeting. We went, we were up in the conference room, and I still remember the the vice president was there, and I mean, he I think he he was a nervous wreck because of the amount of money and so forth. And he looked at me and he said, Wendell, you know, and I know that we are not going to repossess First Baptist Church. So this has to work. If your dream is from God, trust it. If your dream is from God, go forward with it. And if your dream is from God, then teach it to someone else. Share it with other people. Paul did in 2 Timothy. He said, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... These entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, God gives you a dream that you might share it with someone else. That you might trust him, but that you might share it with someone else, which is what Moses did. He had a dream, and he shared it. Verse number 9, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. He passed his dream on to Joshua. The dream that was in his heart, he passed on to Joshua. Jesus had a dream of sharing the gospel with the world, and he passed it to the disciples. Martin Luther King had a dream that the, of a world without prejudice, and he passed it on to America. Folks, the dreams that you have, if they're from God, you should at least pass on to your family. If the dream you have is from God, pass it to your family. Then finally, if our dreams are going to be fulfilled, then we have to have unshakable faith in God. See, Moses' dream was not fulfilled. In verse number 4, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. His dream was not fulfilled. But look at verse number 10. Since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. His dream was not fulfilled, but he was commended. Doesn't that seem strange to you? It does to me. When I read that passage of Scripture and I see that Moses' dream was not fulfilled, and yet God commended him. Why? Because God has a different standard than we do. You see, our standard is success. If I have a dream, 
my dream is fulfilled. I am successful, thus I am commended. If I pray and my prayer is answered, I am successful, thus I am commended. God's standard is different. God's standard is not success. God's standard is faithfulness. Jesus died on the cross. He was faithful. Thus he was commended. Well done. Moses did not enter into the promised land, but he was faithful. Thus he was commended. Some of your dreams might not be fulfilled. Some of your goals might not be reached. But the important thing is that you are faithful to God because that's your standard. How do you demonstrate faithfulness this year? Well, if you've never been saved by trusting the Lord, trusting him as your Savior. Maybe you are a Christian, but you have never been able to trust the Lord financially. And maybe this year, you need to trust him with your finances as you begin to tithe. Or perhaps it's to find a place of service. You're, you come and you, you sit, but you've never found a place to serve. Maybe that's where you need to trust the Lord. Or perhaps you come and you've never joined a church. Maybe that's where you need to trust the Lord. You need to be faithful by being a member of a church family. And I would certainly recommend this one. There was a professor to business students. And he came to class one day and he had a gallon jar that was full of rocks. He put it on his desk and he asked the students, is this jar full? And they looked at him and said, yes. So he took some gravel and poured some gravel in there that fell among the rocks, shook it up. He said, is it full now? Well, they weren't going to bite at that again, so they just sat there. And then he took some sand and put in there and shook it around. And then he took some water and filled it. He said, what's the point of this illustration? One of the students said, the point is that no matter how busy you might be, you can always work one more thing into your schedule. He said, no, that is not the point. He said, the point is this. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in. Folks, there are some big rocks in life. And knowing the Lord Jesus is the bigger. Being involved with his family is a big rock. Finding your gift and being involved in service is a big rock. What I'm asking you today is to put the big rocks in. If you've never trusted Christ, that today you do that. If you need to join this church, that today you do that. Because if you don't put them in first, you'll never get them in. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. But it has to be first. 
Our gracious Father and God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your great love. And I thank you for these people that you have assembled. I would pray, Lord, that you would speak to hearts today. For those who need to make commitments, that they would do so. And Lord, that today they would begin following you in an exciting adventure. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to extend an invitation. If you don't know the Lord, would you commit to him today? In faith, just trust him. Maybe you have some questions. The staff be here to receive you and to answer your questions. If you're looking for a church home, what does God say to you about this one? Should you join it today? Stand with me, please. As we stand, we sing, and as we sing, you come. You'll be greeted as you do.